Amen. And thank you, Tim, and all those who have helped us today vocally and instrumentally. And I'm so glad uh, that we've been able to praise the Lord and to thank Him together today. As um, we've already sung, we thank, we're thankful for many, many things in the good and the bad times, right? Amen. It has been a tough year in many, many ways. And... Um, but we do have much for which to be thankful and grateful. Perhaps this year um, you've learned something new even in the midst of hardship. Perhaps you've made a new friend this year. Um, many things for which to be grateful. And so I want to add my word of welcome to you, to those who are outside listening over the radio. We still have folks that are out there as well as those who we're listen, are listening right now by live stream and we'll listen later on over the internet and uh, I know some folks that could not come here today but are listening uh, over the live stream and we welcome all of you no matter what your form of listening in is I want to begin with a story uh, an older man was visiting his physician the man had some kind of condition that was very serious and as he was preparing to leave the examination room after visiting with his physician. He said, Doctor, he said, I need you to know I'm afraid to die. Tell me what lies on the other side because I'm afraid. Very quietly, the doctor said, I don't know. The elderly gentleman looked at his doctor and said, You don't know? He said, You're a Christian man. You don't know what's on the other side? The doctor was holding the handle to the examination door. And on the other side came a sound of scratching and whining. And he opened the door and a dog sprang into the room and leaped on him with an eagerness that we all know how dogs can be. Someone this week said, I just wish my wife would be like my dog. I think that was a country song and would love me like my dog does every time I come in the door. But the doctor's dog just jumped in on him. Turning to the patient, the doctor said, did you notice my dog? He's never been in this particular room before. He didn't know what was inside. He knew nothing other than his master was inside. And that's all he needed to know, that his master was inside. So when the door opened, he sprang in without fear. He said, I don't know what's on the other side, but I know where my master is, and that's all I need to know. I know where my master is, and that's all I need to know. Well, that's a good word, isn't it? I know where my master is. I know where my master is. But as we're going to see in our text for today, he had to go through a whole lot of torture before he got to the place where we now know he is. So we're going to look again at the Gospel of John. Someone who's visiting today said, you still in the Gospel of John? Yes, I'm still in the Gospel of John. And the next time you come, I might be in the Gospel of John then too. But today we're continuing in John chapter 18. I'm going to reference uh, 10 verses this morning. Verses 28 through 38. But I'm also going to be referencing another, some of the other uh, cognate passages from the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. 
that deal with the very same occasion of Jesus appearing before the civil trial before Pilate. Should have brought you a picture, but it wouldn't have helped you a whole lot because what I was going to show you a picture of doesn't really exist anymore. But I did show you a picture of Caiaphas' house or the steps up to Caiaphas' house. And we're going to see now that they take him across the city to a place where he is questioned by Pilate, Pilatus. It is a place that was called the Strato Fortress, Antonio's Strato Fortress. It was a large uh, Roman garrison in the northwest section of old Jerusalem. It was a fortress uh, in those days. It's not there now. But I will show you in coming weeks the actual pavement stones of the Strata Fortress where Jesus may well have been questioned, where they probably placed the crown of thorns upon him. So we will look and see that in the coming weeks. But we see here a terrible occurrence of torture, of horrific uh, mistreatment. And we know throughout history, uh, men have been, uh, particularly men, probably women, some do, have been very cruel to each other in, in executions, in torture, in, in concentration camps. We think of the horrific way people have treated one another. But here in this text, we're going to see mankind try to get rid of God. Try to eliminate the Lord himself. What a horrific thing it is. So look with me at chapter 18, beginning with verse 28, please. There it says, and you'll see it on the screen, or you can see it in your um, smartphone or your Bible, whatever you have before you. Then they took Jesus from Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. I've already told you where that was, in the northwest corner of old Jerusalem. It was early morning. They did not enter, I find this fascinating, they did not enter the headquarters themselves, otherwise they would be defiled and unable to eat the Passover. Then Pilate came out to them and said, What charge do you bring against this man? Well, they answered him, if this man weren't a criminal, we wouldn't have handed him over to you. So Pilate told them, well, take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. It is not legal for us to put anyone to death, the Jews declared. They said this so that Jesus' words might be fulfilled, signifying what sort of death he was going to die. Then Pilate went back into the headquarters, summoned Jesus, and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Verse 34, Jesus answered, Are you asking this on your own? Or have others told you this about me? I am not a Jew, am I, Pilate replied. Your own nation and the chief priest handed you over to me. What have you done? My kingdom is not of this world, said Jesus. Look at that. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. As it is, my kingdom does not have its origin here. Verse 37, you are a king then, Pilate asked. You say that I'm a king, Jesus replied. I was born for this and I have come into the world for this to testify to the truth. 
Friends, let me tell you, there's some of the most powerful words you'll ever read. I was born for this. I've come into the world for this to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. What is truth? Asked Pilate. What is truth? After he had said this, he went out to the Jews again and he told them, I find no grounds for charging him. Well, my friends, again, there are some marvelous people who have lived and died. There are some marvelous men and women who have done great things, who blessed every life, but none come close to our Lord Jesus. None come, none come close to him because we come upon this man who was all God and there was no fault in him. And even the one for whom, with whom he is dialoguing now was not his friend and said, I find no fault in this man. So let's study him. Let's see what there is about him that is so special. But in this text for today, I'm going to tell you, we're going to see some terrible things about mankind, but some great things about our Lord. First of all, would you see with me the deeply embedded sin nature that is within us all, the deeply embedded nature of sin in mankind, but also our Savior's response. So look with me there. We will see this. Now we know, don't we, that there's always been a rebellion against God. From the very beginning, Adam and Eve both rebelled against the spoken word of God. Carry it through the Old Testament. Remember our friend Jonah. I was talking with someone this week about Jonah. And Jonah ran from God. Remember even Sarah in the Old Testament laughed at God. There's always been a rebellion against the Lord. But here we see in this text, these people attempting to put to death the Son of God. This revealed the evil of their hearts. And as we look at this text and other synoptic gospel texts, we see that evil re revealed so powerfully. We've just seen in John 18 prior to today, we saw both Annas and Caiaphas reveal the deep jealousy that was inside of them. You see, it was the religious leaders who instigated the death of Jesus. They were so jealous of him, they would do anything to get rid of him. Someone said there is more evil in the halls of religion than there is in every bar in America. That is true. These religious leaders sought to destroy the Lord Jesus because of their jealousy, because of their turf protectionism. But then we also saw in the last part of our study, didn't we? Judas, as he handed Jesus over, for what? For the price of a slave. Even though he had been with Jesus three years, that familiarity did not erase that deep evil that was in that man. We even see the mob. We've seen it already in John 18. We will see it even later in John 19 as we see them carry the day and call out for the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus. And we recognize rightness is not always encased in the deeds of the crowd. In fact, seldom it is. So we see over and over the deep revelation of the deep sin that is in all of us. And look at how he was treated. We've already seen 
that even as he was being uh, questioned by Caiaphas and by Annas, he sought to protect his disciples. Isn't that beautiful? He did. He, he sought to, to protect them. He always pleads for us. He always protects us. Sometimes we cannot forget our own sin, can we? Sometimes we accuse ourselves and we remember all the bad that we've done. What happens in that instance? I believe that sometimes when we do that, if we would listen, we would hear Jesus defending our own selves against our own selves. I believe he might be saying, God gave you to me and you're mine and I love you and I've forgiven you. Oh, my friends, Satan condemns us. The world denounces us. We accuse ourselves, but Christ is our advocate and Christ is our defender. I remember the great reformer, the story about Martin Luther, former Catholic priest turned reformer. He struggled with the security of his salvation. He always did. That's what led him to the Reformation and rereading the gospel and rereading the book of Romans and coming to faith in Christ. And he was dreaming one night and, and he said he saw the angel writing out all of his sins on a great board. And there were many. And this recording angel, he called it, kept writing his sins. And he thought, I can never be saved. Look at what I've done. But then in the dream, a pierced hand, the hand of Jesus, wiped it all away and said the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. He recognized that Jesus is our defender. He is our advocate. And we see that even in our text. The high priest questions over and over. And now we come to this place. We see clearly the holiness of our Savior. We see clearly the holiness of our Savior. So he comes from the civil trials before Annas and Caiaphas. And now he's brought into this place I told you called the Strata Fortress. It was a large uh, fortification, and in the middle of it was a courtyard. And it may be that that's where the crowd brought Jesus in and made their accusations against him. And then, as you've seen, Pilate takes Jesus inside to question him privately. And then later takes him back out to the crowd for their verdict. We'll come to that down the road. But by the way, I can take you to Jerusalem. You have to go down because it's built up over the years. You go down about one story onto this place where this probably was. And there is the striations in the rock foundation. They did that so the horses would not uh, slip when the rock or the stone was wet. But I'll show you some pictures of what that looked like where Jesus was taken in question before Pilate. And we see his holiness in this trial. And it, when you add other texts from other gospels to this one, we see several ways that his holiness was portrayed. As I mentioned in Sunday school, the Pharisees sought to, uh, to accuse him. And we see in Matthew chapter 9, verse 11, that the Pharisees only could say something bad about him. And the only thing they could say was... He's a friend of publicans and sinners. 
Now, isn't that a terrible thing to say about somebody? He's a friend of evil people. Well, Jesus said, yep, I sure am. I'm their best friend. And that's the way we ought to be too. Well, we see his holiness there. We see his holiness as Pilate even said in that last verse, I don't find any fault in this man. We've already seen Judas' actions toward Christ, but later we will see even Judas say, I have betrayed innocent blood. Now, this is a man who had lived with him for three years. If Jesus had a fault, don't you think Judas would have said, that's why I did what I did? Because he made me do it. He mistreated me. He did this. He did that. He's a hypocrite. And that's why I've sold him for the price of a slave. But even Judas said, I have betrayed innocent Then even, not in this text, but in the book of Matthew, one of my favorite texts, Matthew 27, even Pilate's wife said to Pilate, Honey child, okay, she didn't say those exact words, but she had lived in Greenville. That's what she would have said. She said, Honey child, don't you do anything with this man because I have learned in a dream today that there is no fault in him. Leave him alone. Well, Pilate didn't listen to his wife, did he? She warned her husband not to harm this just man. Well, what do you think about Jesus? Do you see him as holy? Do you see him as pure? What is he to you? We see his holiness. But last, this passage points us to the need for our commitment to Christ. This passage points us to the need for our commitment to the Lord you see, in light of the Lord's love and sacrifice, we are compelled to serve Him in consistency and in all honesty. Look back at verse 28. They took Jesus from Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. But these religious leaders did not enter in because they didn't want to be defiled by going into the presence of the Romans. Now here they are getting ready to do the most vile thing they could ever do. To cast blame on the sinless son of God. And here they are acting like, well we can't come in there because we don't want to get dirty. Because we got to go celebrate the Passover and we can't do that if we're unclean. Even though they were about to do the most unclean, the most dastardly of all deeds ever done. Yet they were doing this. You see, there's a great deal of difference between inner spirituality and outer sanctimoniousness, isn't there? But Jesus is brought before Pilate. What charge do you bring against this man? They said, well, uh, we wouldn't have brought him to you unless there was a charge. Would... No, we have to bring him to you because we want him put to death. And so he begins this beautiful and interesting dialogue with the Son of God. Are you the king of the Jews? Verse 33. Jesus almost playing with Pilate said, where would you hear that? Did you come up that on your own or did you hear that from someone else? And then Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. You see, I have a different kingdom than you do, Pilate. My kingdom is a kingdom of the heart. My kingdom is a kingdom of love. My kingdom is a spiritual kingdom not some kind of earthly kingdom. 
And so he begins teaching these powerful words that he is a king of love, not of force. Now a king has to have a kingdom. Verse 36, he declares that he has a kingdom that's not of this world. How does one become a part of that kingdom? How does one become a subject of the kingdom of God? Over and over in John, he's told us that if we believe, we can have everlasting life. He's told us earlier in John chapter 14 that he's the way, he's the truth, and the life. He's told us over and over who he is and how we can become a part of his kingdom. And so I invite each of you today to become a part of the kingdom of God. Are you a kingdom man, a kingdom woman, a kingdom boy, a kingdom girl? Well, the Bible says you can become a part of the kingdom of love, a kingdom of heaven, a kingdom of eternity. And I beg of you today to let him be your king, to become a part of the kingdom that Jesus is talking about even today. Oh, my friends, soon he will go to the cross Soon as we study these remaining few chapters of the Gospel of John, we will see him sacrifice himself so that you living in 2020 can be a part of the kingdom of God. That physician was wise at the beginning story, wasn't he? There's a lot of things I don't know about heaven, but I know where my master is. Do you know who your master is? And do you know where your master is? Are you a part of his kingdom? Oh, I pray the answer to that is yes. Would you pray with me right now? Father, we thank you for these powerful, precious verses. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus spoke the truth, even in the midst of the most difficult of circumstance. Thank you, Lord, that even before Pilate, he could testify that he was a king of a different kind of kingdom, one that would transcend the ages and transcend cultures and transcend difficulties. Father, I pray that today we would submit to being a part of your kingdom. That we would say this week, Jesus, you are my king. I submit to you in how I live, how I relate, how I minister. I submit to you. Oh God, may this week we recognize that kingdom responsibility father we are grateful we do thank you for your wonderful ministry to us father we pray in jesus name that you would make us thankful for that which really matters and keep everything in the perspective you would ask and we ask it in jesus name amen